Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 per month. Today on the podcast, I'm looking at the 1918 Battle of Scarpe. Now, I've seen it pronounced differently in different places. Some say Scarpe, some say Scarp. But Scarpe seems the most correct to me, so I'm going to go with that, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing anything. During the 100 Days Offensive that would eventually close out the First World War, one of the most significant battles for Canada was the Battle of Scarpe. It would begin on August 26th and run for the next five days, and would prove to be an overwhelming victory for the Canadians. The Battle of Amiens had raged only for a few days previous, but there would be little time for rest as the Allies pushed to break the German defences. The 4th Brigade would get only three days break before they needed to march back to the front line. The coming battle was described by General Arthur Currie as the hardest battle in the history of the Canadian Corps, and he wanted to make sure that it was a success. To achieve that, he would use the element of surprise and attack in the middle of the night. On August 26 at 3 a.m., the Canadians advanced with the objective of capturing a long section of German trenches after a five-minute artillery barrage had hit those trenches. The 51st Highland Division would advance along the Cambria Road, while the 3rd Canadian Division would advance between the River Scarpe and the 2nd Canadian Division on the right, south of the main road. Using tunnels as shelter, they advanced on the Germans who were caught unaware and who had expected an attack at dawn, not before it. The Canadian Corps under Julian Bing and Arthur Curie were able to advance over 5 kilometres on the front and capture the towns of Wancourt and monchy le within only a few hours, without even using any armoured equipment. The Princess Patricia's Light Infantry took part in the battle as well, but they would suffer heavy casualties on the flanks, but they were able to fight off evening counter-attacks by the Germans. The 3rd Division was able to capture its first objective, monchy le by encircling the Germans in a tactic that was praised for some time after. The 2nd Division captured Jumont and Wancourt by the afternoon. By the evening, the Canadian line extended 914 metres east of Monchy. The attack was described by Private Hilaire Denis as such. It was raining heavy and there I saw one of the prettiest sights of my life, one who is wed to my memory forever. We were crossing two mountains, which were about a mile apart. We were on one and the enemy on the other, and there the heavy guns were roaring something awful and the sky was red with fire through the rain. There was fire splashing through the sky and fire rolling on the mountain in front of us, and when we reached the other mountain, I certainly did see some sight in the dark. We had to walk through dead bodies all over, and I was wild. I was right after blood. Uncle, it is funny how a man changes when he gets in a scrap like that. We always get a drink of rum before we start anything, and then we can go through fire and do anything. But after the battle is over... One often wonders how he got through it without being killed. In a report from London published in the Edmonton Bulletin, it was stated, At three o'clock this morning our troops attacked in the Scarpe sector 
and are reported to have made great progress. On the southern portion of the battlefront, we have advanced our lines slightly astride the Somme, and by a successful operation carried out, have made progress in the direction of Maricourt. During the first stage of the battle, Lieutenant Charles Smith Rutherford of the 5th Canadian Mounted Rifles would perform actions that would earn him the Victoria Cross. While commanding an assault party, Rutherford suddenly found he was well ahead of his men and near a fully armed enemy party outside of a pillbox. He would put on his best poker face and persuaded the Germans that they were surrounded, and the Germans, believing that this was actually true, surrendered. In all, 45 Germans, including two officers and three machine gunners, surrendered. After they surrendered, Rutherford would notice that another pillbox was holding up the assault of his troops. He would then attack that pillbox and capture another 35 Germans. Rutherford would survive the war and serve as the Sergeant of Arms in the Ontario Legislature from 1934 to 1940, and he would be the first Sergeant in Arms to eject a member from the Legislature. He was also the last recipient of the Victoria Cross from the First World War to die, when he passed away on June 11, 1989, at the age of 97. Another medal winner from that first day was Lieutenant H.G. Spone, who had received the Military Cross. During the attack, he went forward with a bombing party as a liaison officer and saw a group of Germans preparing for a counter-attack. He quickly gave directions to the artillery and enabled them to pour in concentrated fire that dispersed the Germans. The citation for him would state, His untiring efforts and gallantry in action have always enabled the artillery to render immediate support to the infantry when required. Following the battle, Curry would say to his men, I desire to congratulate all concerned on the magnificent success achieved this day. It has paved the way for greater success tomorrow. Keep constantly in mind Stonewall Jackson's motto, Press Forward. On August 27th, heavy rains began to fall through the night, making the ground very slippery and difficult to advance on, causing late starts on assaults. The Germans also resisted with strong defences and the gain for the day was only three kilometres. Part of the battle was the capture of the village of Cherisy, which was assigned to the 22nd Battalion, also known as the Vandus along with the 24th Battalion and the 26th Battalion. The advancing Canadians were mowed down by German machine guns, but by midday the village would be captured. The Princess Patricias would bomb the Germans heavily to shake their defences, but they were unsuccessful in their attempts. The Vandus would suffer heavily in the attack, losing all of their officers. Major Georges Vanier, the highest-ranking officer left, would organise the defence of the captured village. Vanier would eventually go on to serve as the Governor-General of Canada and the first French-Canadian to hold the post, from 1959 to 1967, when he died in office. During the attack, Vanier would be shot in both legs and the chest, which resulted in the loss of his right leg. He would take many months to recover and would be awarded a bar on his military cross for his bravery in the attack and defence. Private Denis would write on the second day, we took a big bunch of prisoners one morning, and I thought it was good for a little lot of Canadians to take so many great husky Germans. They were coming to us with their hands up by the hundreds, and some of them were crying like babies. And I'll tell you they would rather see old man Satan himself than see a bunch of Canadians facing them with cold steel. The next day, on August 28th, the 2nd and 3rd Canadian Infantry Divisions would seize a large portion of the German defence system, but it would come at a great cost. 
Over the previous three days, from August 26th to August 28th, the Canadians would suffer 254 officer casualties and 5,547 other rank casualties. But it was also a highly successful attack. The Canadians would capture 3,300 Germans, 53 guns, and 519 machine guns. The Princess Patricias crossed Jigsaw Valley and cleared out Jigsaw Wood, and were able to hit the Germans hard, causing heavy casualties in the German ranks. According to the history of the soldiers from McGill University, it was stated that the German machine gun defense was very stubborn. Lance Corporal Albert Jackson Weir would be awarded the Military Medal for his actions during the battle, and he would be promoted to Corporal as a result. He would be wounded on September 24, 1918, and struck off strength six days later. On August 28th, Lieutenant Colonel Henry Hugh Clark Kennedy would earn the second Victoria Cross of the Battle for Canada. At the time, he was 39 years old and commanding the 24th Battalion, also called the Victoria Rifles of Canada. The unit had suffered heavy casualties, and Clark Kennedy would encourage his men and lead them forward, while also collecting stragglers and ensuring the entire group advanced as one brigade. He would be severely wounded in the ensuing battle, with heavy blood loss and intense pain, but he refused to be evacuated until he gained a position from which the advance could continue. He would survive the war, passing away on October 25, 1961. The 18th Battalion War Diary would state, Heavy casualties were suffered. Captain McKeddy was shot through the head and instantly killed while rushing the German gun post. Lieutenant Cole shot through the eye and was afterwards found dead. Private Denis would write home, Dear Uncle and Aunt, I figure myself very lucky to be able to write to you today, because the day that I got hit there was quite a few of our Western Ontario boys who went down and will remain down forever. I was lucky there was only one bullet that went through me, because I was hit in different places through my clothes, and I noticed after taking my coat off to dress my wounds that a bullet had cut my clothes right close to my shoulders. It was about 1 p.m. when I got hit, and I dropped into a big shell hole, and there I had to stay until 9 p.m., before I could get out to help. I was certainly an awful sight after rolling myself in my own blood all that time. By the next day, 39 members of the 22nd Battalion answered roll call, with the battalion suffering 634 killed, wounded, or missing, including all of their officers. For the Princess Patricias, the dead were 7 officers and 47 other ranks, while 8 officers and 135 other ranks were wounded. One person on the day to lose their lives was Private James Henry Silcox. Coming from the Peace River region of Alberta, he was drafted into the Canadian Army in November of 1917 and would ship to France on August 8, 1918. Three weeks later during the battle, a shell would explode near him, killing him instantly. At the time, he had been killed while his company was advancing to support the 4th Canadian Infantry Brigade. One injured soldier was David Capio, also from the Peace River region. He had arrived in France in June of 1916 and was hit with shrapnel in his left knee in September of that year. After he recovered, he was back at the front and would suffer a gunshot wound to his right shoulder on August 28th during the battle. He likely would have been back at the front after recovering, but the war ended before he could be shipped back. In his diary on the day he would be wounded, he wrote, All ranks very tired, but situation good, and the sense of victory on men. The morale and tone never better in the history of the battalion. 
After the war, he would be awarded the Distinguished Conduct Medal for gallantry. Captain H.G. Brewer would say that during the battle, the Germans were lobbing grenades at them, which he called potato mashers, and the Canadians threw back grenades, which they called mills. During the battle, he said the Germans surrendered by the hundreds, and German planes were dive-bombing the Canadian troops. On August 29th, Brutonel's Brigade, the first fully motorized brigade in the Canadian Army and the British Empire, would advance to the front line, seizing Bench Farm and Victoria Cops, along with the Scarpe River, and the Canadian Cycle Corps Cyclist Battalion would establish posts. On August 30th, the Canadian Corps was able to clear portions of the German trench system, including Upton Wood, and held the position for the entire day under heavy fire. They would eventually drive off a German counterattack while capturing 50 prisoners and 5 machine guns. I hope you enjoyed that look at the Battle of Scarpe, and if you did, please give a rating and review. They help keep the podcast at the top. If you want, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. I do this full time, so every dollar helps. You can email me with any questions at craig at CanadaEHX.com. And you can find hundreds of articles on Canada's history, as well as all of my podcast episodes, by going to my website. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. Information comes from Veterans Affairs, the Vivian Foundation, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry, 1914-1916, Wikipedia, Five Strenuous Years, Library and Archives Canada, South Peace Archives, A Canadian Concert Goes to War, thanks and we'll see you again next time.